0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Fitness Retention Podcast. Little introduction here. I love this episode. It is with Lars Schofield, who is an Orange Theory franchisee and owner of some territory in a couple tiny little towns you may have heard of. Brooklyn, Manhattan, and Queens. I don't know, he kind of had to tell me where those were. Um, But I guess they're pretty big territories. And... I think this episode is really interesting because Lars is not from the fitness industry but he's a fitness fanatic and he's turned his knowledge from corporate America into thriving businesses all throughout the country. Um, Lars is really interesting because he takes a pragmatic approach to growing his business and that is serving his employees so that they can serve customers, something that I'm super passionate about. Um, also want to mention that I am continuing my sweepstakes throughout February. I am giving away, yes, giving away six hours of my retention consulting work. Uh, two gyms, three hours each. All you have to do is shoot me an email at agymotion.com or ageemotion at gmail.com. And tell me the biggest retention challenge that you have and why it's important for you to solve it. Uh, Also, head over to my website, agymotion.com, and check out the retention calculator. Super helpful for just figuring out where you currently are in terms of your retention efforts. All right, here we go with Lars Schofield of Orange Theory. All right. The Fitness Retention Podcast would like to welcome Lars Schofield. What's up, Lars?
1: What's going on, Alex? Greetings uh, from New York the Big Apple.
0: Yeah, well, we're, uh, we're in some pretty big cities here. Just, uh, yeah, we are. enjoying a lovely day here in San Francisco.
1: Yeah, it was, there were snow flurries earlier today here in New York, Alex. So uh, I, I know you, you wish you could have been here for that.
0: Man, am I jealous. Um, so, Lars, for the people who may not know who you are, can you give a brief introduction about um, your background and then how you've come to be the Orange Theory master?
1: Okay. Well, <laughs> so I am the area developer and a franchisee in uh, Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Queens, New York.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: also have some business partners in Florida uh, and have a, own a couple studios there. Um, but I only recently got into fitness, um, as a full-time gig in 2015. Prior to that, I was, I'm a recovering corporate attorney okay. and worked in corporate America for many years, um, in the, in the technology data analytics space. Um, so I gained an appreciation for, uh, you know, technology and analytics and, uh, really embraced what Orange Theory is doing with, um, Uh, you know, in technology and wearables and the analytics we give you in real time and uh, post-workout. And so that was one of the the things that caught my eye. Um, And then a few of my good friends from college got into Orange Theory very early on in South Florida, where the the brand started uh, close to 10 years ago. And uh, we teamed up um, four years ago to uh, bring it to uh, New York City. Awesome.
0: And What's the growth been like in New York? I mean, obviously, it's a hot market.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
1: I mean, New York is a hot market. It's a very challenging uh, fitness market because it's very crowded. There are so many incredible brands in this city, um, Mm -hmm. many of which started here. And uh, they've done a a brilliant job of marketing themselves and creating amazing communities. And they have very loyal uh, membership bases. And um, but the great thing about New York City and like San Francisco as well is that, um, you know, there's a voracious appetite for uh, fitness and being active. And there's also sufficient disposable income here so that there's enough to go around. And um, obviously we need to do we need to stand out. Um, We need to create amazing communities where people will go for something more than just a workout, you know, to feel a part of something bigger. Yeah. And, um, but that's the fun part. So, yeah. um, you know, look there, there definitely been some, some, uh, challenges, um, you know, building a new brand, even though there are almost a thousand orange theories in the United States, the Northeast was one of the last geographic markets, the brand entered. And so early on, you know, and as recently as like 2015, 2016, we were getting a lot of orange therapy. What's that? <laughs> and uh, but, you know, as the brand has grown nationwide and even worldwide, it's uh, become, um, you know, easier for us to uh, get people in the door and let's let them try it out. And then, you know, once we get them in the door, I, I like our our chances.
0: Yeah. Well, one thing that I actually wanted to ask you about is um, you, you touched on the like the loyal membership base and. I'm torn because I see people that are loyal to brands, but then I also see people that are loyal to like staff and instructors and communities. So can you talk about kind of like the interplay between those two and how Orange Theory maybe capitalizes on one or capitalizes on the other?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because that's a good segue into retention, or I think it comes down to, um, you know, if you retain, Good staff, good people. Um, you know, give them an opportunity if they're on your team to you know make a career out of it, mm-hmm. to you know help them grow professionally. Um, then obviously they're going, they're much more likely to remain part of your team long term. Mm-hmm. And people on the team, they obviously build relationships. I mean, the key to having uh, a successful uh, boutique fitness studio is building this community and that means making connections with people mm-hmm. and the more i mean our staff at each of our orange theory studios they're required to, to know everybody's name that's not it's obviously easier said than done when you're talking hundreds and hundreds of members and obviously there is turnover especially in a transient city like new york but the more our team gets to know people and is connected to them um one the more fun because then you know relationships emerge from that and um, you know, there's just you know social conversation that takes place, um, and you know creates greater loyalty, stickiness, um, and then you know the members are you know part of a much a more authentic community, and so they're um, they're going to be more loyal, more sticky, and so you know everything's positioned for um, you know higher retention of members, higher retention of the team, a culture that uh, people want to be in. So you think that. And,
0: and uh, let's use Orange, the- Orange Theory as a representation of other, like, franchise models, other boutique gyms that are trying to grow. You think that people gravitate towards community and staff and the other members, and then maybe if they move somewhere, they're significantly more likely to try to find that community
1: within that brand. I would agree with that, and I've seen it in action. Okay. And, you know. Cut both ways for us because we've had some uh, good people. I mean, with New York being transient, we good people approach us. We've had the the majority of our hires for coaches and sales and operations, and people who have relocated to New York City from other markets, and they were part of Orange Theory in those. Uh, where they came from, whether they were members, whether they worked as a coach or uh, you know, a sales or operations team member. And so you know they've, they've relocated to New York and they just want to keep Orange Theory in their life. And mm-hmm. so that's easy recruiting. Um, and then we've also seen it with members um, increasingly as you know, we, we, we approach a thousand members in the US um, and people are you know moving to New York City for different reasons all the time and uh yes they they walk in the door and they say hey i was uh, an unlimited member in columbus ohio mm-hmm. um i'd like the same thing here and then we tell them the price and they're like oh my gosh you know they get the new york city sticker shock but right. they get it and for the most part you know we just keep them as members so um, and then on the flip side, one of our uh, a great coach, uh, she's from the Bay Area, and an opportunity presented itself for her and her mom to go into business together in the Bay Area. So she moved back to the Bay Area, but she loved Orange Theory so much, she asked me, is it possible to continue to coach in the Bay Area? And I reached out to the owners in San Jose, where she was going to be, right. and they welcomed her in. And I saw them recently at a convention, and they thanked me. They said, we're so glad you introduced us. And so it was just a win-win-win all around. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's and cool. I mean, those are the, the 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 really cool things that I are are increasingly happening. You know, as we are creating this global community. And look, you know, there are there's so many great brands that have these amazing communities. Um, yeah. And look, I, we're all cults, you know, and I say that in a positive way. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know good for anyone who finds a fitness brand that feels like home. Obviously I'd love for it to be orange theory. And I think, you know, we are accessible to anyone at any level of fitness, any age, shape, or size, but you know, most importantly, just find something that feels like home for you. Yeah. I think so much of that honestly is timing
0: about how, like where people are in their fitness journey. Um, and I, I use the example of CrossFit for me, because when I was like 23, I'd been working out for a long time, I found CrossFit, and I became part of the like, quote, unquote, cult. Right. And then I after three years was like, Okay, that's good. I get it. You know, I, I taught it for a while. And I, I kind of moved on from that. But the like, the cult aspect of it, isn't so much just the workout, it's the community and the coaches and the instructors and all that too, but it's a lot about finding the right time in the right place. So just because someone's in CrossFit now doesn't mean that they're gonna not be in Orange Theory in two years later. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's something that I think that brands don't realize is that just because someone is a member of like, a we'll call it like a boutique studio, that doesn't mean that they're not a potential customer for you down the line.
1: Yeah, it's not a zero sum game. I mean, especially in New York and San Francisco, LA, big cities like that, um, where there are so many fitness options, you know, many people have a portfolio of memberships, you know, they they spin once or twice a week, they hit hit training at Orange Theory or, you know, other hit brands, mm-hmm. um, they'll do yoga, Pilates, uh, they may even run or cycle outside. It's all part of their rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh you know, I, I like the way we're positioned because we certainly can be a complement to other fitness concepts, Mm -hmm. or we can be a one-stop shop given that we have cardio and strength. Um, but you know, the, the word community it's, it, you know, I think it's all, it's often, it sounds overused, but it's so critically important. And like we all know, timing is everything in life, whether it's for getting a job, getting a life partner, what are making friends, you know, all these things align. And, uh, It's, you know, there's a, there's really a time and a place for everything and along that journey, not just a certainly in the context of a fitness journey, but also, you know, just your overall life journey, timing all comes into play. So
0: what are some things that, I mean, you, you were in corporate America for a long time. Mm-hmm. What some of the things that drew you to fitness and then specifically to Orange Theory and what has like really excited you about continuing that for you? Because that's a big transition.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I started as a, well, even before I was a fitness consumer, mm-hmm. I was, I started as a runner. I got introduced years ago. Um, I started running just casually. Uh, when I was in school uh college law school, um mostly to keep the the beer calories from piling up yeah. um, but you know I got the bug and then I started doing ten ks and you know half marathons full marathons and um you know i was an uh, you know, i've been a big box fitness brand member. Uh, cause I started as, as I was putting more running miles on my odometer, I started to see how running can break down your body if you're not doing a lot of core and lower body strength work.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and so I learned some lessons the hard way and, uh, you know, then transitioned to complementing with big box activity. And uh, when I moved to New York seven years ago, I became an Equinox member. It's an incredible brand. They provide an, an amazing, uh, overall Consumer experience, member experience, and so I learned a lot from that um, as as a consumer mm-hmm. and then i um, also uh, you know the I wanted over time I was trying to fo- uh, incorporate more and more fitness and active life active lifestyle and wellness into my life, mm-hmm. and then I started thinking, well, why stop at just outside of work, why not see if there's something where I can fully align my professional life with my passions for, for fitness and wellness and being around you know, people, like-minded people that um, I associated with anyway. Yeah. So, and again, just going back to timing, it, this was a unique opportunity for me because it was a couple of my good friends from college who had be, become part of the Orange Theory cult in South Florida. Uh-huh. And they were raving about it, and I'd never heard of it because it hadn't come north yet nor- to the northeast. And so you know, we got together, I went down to Florida, tried it out. And what I, what I love, my, one of my favorite parts of being in the fitness community is to have a sense of inclusiveness, inclusivity. And that's what drew me to Orange Theory. In addition to the data and the technology and the analytics aspect of it, mm-hmm. um, we... Are a workout that because you're wearing a, you're wearing a heart rate monitor, mm-hmm. uh, it's personalized for you based on your heart rate. So you go at your own pace based on your heart rate. You're not competing against anybody, just yourself. And I really thought that that would be a powerful, uh, you know, forum for being in the fitness community and being able to have an addressable market of, for, of everybody. Now granted, like timing, it may not be the right time in anyone's life or journey to come to Orange Theory, but at least we are accessible to them when they're ready. Yeah. And we really have a great diversity of membership, not only because we're nationwide, worldwide, but even in New York City within these sub-markets where studios are you know, maybe a mile or two apart, um, they're incredibly different neighborhoods with different diversities and we have all ages, shapes, and sizes on, um, in the studio going at different speeds on the treadmills, different inclines, power walking, jogging, and running, or you know, going at different wattages on the rowers. And it's just really cool, I mean, to, I, I knew going in that this would be an opportunity for me to see a lot of life uh, transformations and you know, powerful life stories. And it's proving out. I mean, it's, it's by far the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. So I think you would have a really
0: unique perspective on the next question because you, you kind of went like outside the fitness industry into the fitness industry. Um, and you have an extensive history of working in corporate America. So what are you for in the business of fitness? And how has that shaped how you have run your businesses?
1: Well, I mean, I guess I'm for, um, like I said earlier, like, you know, inclusiveness, inclusivity mm-hmm. and, um, you know, creating a community where everybody can be a part of something, you know, bigger than themselves, where there's, you know, a sense of belonging and, um, you know, they're, they have an opportunity to um, uh to you know to to grow and to be exposed to new things that they would not otherwise might not otherwise encounter
2: mm-hmm. and
1: you know that's as as members and then certainly you know having worked at big you know, multinational companies or big legal or big law firms um i also you know saw the opportunity to uh create a career for people mm-hmm. and where that would allow them to align their passions with their Professional lives and a career to, and the, you know, obviously everybody, every employer says, you know, we have an amazing culture. We yeah. provide growth opportunities. Um, you know, you could spend the rest of your life here, even though nobody does that anymore. <laughs> uh, and obviously, we we we've um, we've hired some good people. We've hired some not so good people. We've lost some good people, but we've all. Lot of people. My regional fitness man, manager for, for Brooklyn and Queens. She started as a sales associate and became a coach and then a fitness manager, uh, you know, a head coach. And and she we even allowed her to buy into one of the new studios. So um, and you know she's just one of many examples. And you know that to me is so much more you know authentic. Um, one because I see it close up, but two you know that. Compared to like you know climbing the corporate ladder in corporate America, yeah, and yeah. certainly there are plenty of opportunity in corporate America, and um, it many people have done well by being in corporate America, yeah. um, but I I see much more passion in fitness, and not just Orange Theory or even other fitness brands, just overall wellness health and wellness and fitness ecosystem that's continues to grow and more and more brands want to be in it. If they didn't start in it, Um, it's uh, you know, it's, it's, it just impacts people more Mm -hmm. when the, the, the the way, you know, seeing it in fitness and in these, you know, boutique studios, which, you know, when you add up these, you know, you open multiple, multiple units, um, uh, what started as a really small business can become a, you know, a more mid-sized business. Yeah. Uh, so uh, to just to, to, you know, be able to see more up close and more directly the impact that, um, you know, it has on people's lives when you're, you know, you're following your passion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that like, well, so to sum it up, it sounds like you want to give the customers a great experience, but you also want to create opportunities for people that otherwise wouldn't have been able to make a career out of their passion
1: yeah and you know one thing i i should have mentioned we even have seen members um, who i mean some of them have a full-time job and they just want more orange theory in their life so they say hey can i work Mm part-time and we've seen some people quit their full-time day jobs and like go all in on orange theory and i mean i know this happens in other brands too and you know it's when you become so deeply connected to something—not just a brand, but a community around you—that uh, you know people, uh, you know they have made some significant changes in their lives mm-hmm. to, um, you know, to have that greater alignment.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, and I mean I think you like <laughs> those are the people you want working for you are the people who when when they're quote unquote selling they're just talking about their experience and they're so, right. they're so behind the experience and the brand that it doesn't feel um, disingenuous or like it doesn't feel fake. Whereas other times you can definitely feel that you're being sold.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in what you're saying of like if someone is working another job and wants to, wants to spend more time in your studio or your gym or whatever, you have to let them do it yeah it is such a good source for referrals, dropping your customer acquisition costs drop i mean every oh, every acquisition or customer acquisition
1: yep um, I, I yeah totally agree, and you know that's going back to corporate America that was something i uh, what I struggled with initially was recruiting and mm-hmm. finding good talent. i was I mean, I, maybe not brainwashed but i my mindset was so focused on academic pedigree and professional experience yeah. and um you know i whiffed on some people um they looked great on paper and they even interviewed well but at the end of the day their heart wasn't all in on fitness and the brand mm-hmm. and you know now the you know the most important i mean obviously hunger is important in any profession yeah. But you know, there's people that are hungry about fitness and the brand, and they're passionate about it, um, and they want more. I mean, that's the that's the the difference maker, the the most dispositive thing I,
2: I look for. Hmm.
1: Okay,
0: that's great. Um, what uh, what is something that you think every gym can do? And coming from coming from someone who didn't go to the gym, to going to an Equinox to now owning fitness studios, what's something that every gym you think can improve on in order to have the long-term effect of making more money?
1: Well, look, I didn't think this is not, this is probably true for many businesses, but you really have to invest in the overall member experience. Mm -hmm. I think that's even true at at big box gyms Mm -hmm. Yes, there's less of a personalized connection. Yeah. But I think you know, the more that you can personalize the connection, build relationships with your members, and obviously easier said than done, uh, you know, even boutique fitness brands. I mean, each studio is has hundreds, even you know, thousand, north of a thousand members, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of people. But when you can take the time to get to know them and then you can you know, not only, you know, personalize your interaction with them, but also the, on the, the training side, the coach side, mm-hmm. um, you can better, even though it's group fitness, you can work with each individual member to help them achieve their individual ob- objectives. Yeah. So it's, it's investing time and, and, you know, money, time and money to, um, uh, to to, build these relationships with each and every person and that improves the overall experience. And I think you get huge ROI down the road.
0: So how do you, I mean, how do you do that in your businesses? Like what is something that you, I mean, if you can cite a specific example, something that just kind of worked really well for you in terms of like how much money or time or whatever you saw a big ROI in when you're looking at member experience.
2: Mm.
1: Um, I can't think of a specific instance. It's okay. just in, uh, unfortunately for me, um, my business partners had already opened up some orange theories in Florida and elsewhere before we came to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, learned a lot from them from day one yeah. about, um, you know, making connections and, 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 and building relationships. Um, so the, uh, and look, there have been times where, you know, we opened a few, three, the first three studios in Brooklyn were in 10 months uh, time period. And that was, we probably bit off more than we can chew and stretch ourselves too thin because these are little babies, you know, they require nurturing and TLC. And we didn't give each one the attention it needed that, that, to to position the teams for success. Hmm. Um, And, uh, but that all that did was just reinforce how important it is to take that time
2: to, um,
1: you know, spend with people and get to know them and, and create those authentic relationships and which results in a community. So I would think that would be like a really
0: interesting lesson. And we could probably talk for like an hour about that, but we'll keep it a little bit more brief. But when you think about managing growth, because ultimately that's the goal of a lot of franchise and boutique gyms is to create a brand that can sustain a lot of growth, but not managing growth or not putting the proper amount of either time or resources or whatever into actually building that brand so that people will want to go to another location or rave to it about their friends who live elsewhere or rave about it online is a really interesting lesson and something that I haven't had anyone talk about on the podcast before is like, how do you not, I mean, most gyms struggle to grow, but how do you not grow too quickly? Or how do you not do that?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a fine line, like many things in life. Um, and you have to, uh, think short term, immediate immediate term, short term, Mm -hmm. and also longer term and kind of like allocate resources for both. Mm -hmm. And, Um, if you are, and I think we were, you know, we, we, we found these three amazing trade areas in Brooklyn and, uh, got attractive terms, um, on the leases. So we decided to pull the trigger, um, knowing with open eyes that it was going to be challenging. Um, but you know, if we had, uh, held off and, uh, or passed, you know, who knows how long it would have been. Till the next opportunity arose, and at what price? Because rents tend generally tend to rise, not fall, over time, right? So we, you know, we we sucked it up and did it, and um, you know, I, I uh, and then after we opened those th- those first three, we held off on opening any more for a while, so that we could give each one the attention that it needed. Hmm. Okay. Um, you know, in a perfect world, yeah. I mean, I don't know what the the I think one once. Studio every six months or so is a good pace to achieve your objectives for growth and also give you sufficient time to uh, nurture each one and put the foundation in place
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but obviously you know the, there are so many you know factors that that rarely comes into play and you have you can be proactive but you have to be react- reactive and opportunistic mm-hmm. and just do the best you can with the resources that you have and if you build a good team we're seeing year and year um, because we are, have experienced people that we're promoting to opportunities to help open a new studio in, uh, in a, you know, in a more, in a greater role or even a management role. Um, so, and that's really cool to see. Um, I'm not pulling my hair out as much anymore. I'm, you know, I'm getting more sleep now. I mean, it's just, uh, it's it's just been a very um, you know powerful and also you know I mean I'm like you know I'm I'm not married I don't have kids and stuff and like it's like just kind of see a family growing I mean I kind of it it gives me warm fuzzies kind of the closest thing that like I think uh, I've I've had to you know being a parent and watching watching the kids make mistakes. But being there to support them and you know having a safety net underneath them, but letting them make mistakes and letting them learn from them, and then letting them and and watching them grow awesome uh, yeah. that kind of
0: segues nicely into my next question and and usually I ask this um, I, I usually ask the question what's something that every gym or fitness business can do to save time but there's an astounding fact that I heard on another podcast that I think it was with the head trainer of Orange Theory that um, there's more than a thousand locations or close to a thousand in the U.S., right? I don't know what the actual, and there's never been a closure. That's correct. So how do, how do people who franchise the business or now own the business leverage the brand of Orange, Theor- Orange Theory to not make mistakes and save time?
1: There is. Extensive collaboration okay. across obviously look you know Orange or Theory at the corporate franchisor level um, makes many tools and platforms available um, and there's a roadmap to opening each studio and design specifications for what the studio uh, needs to look like but we have so, so much autonomy. And we get to call the shots on who we hire. Obviously, you know they have to pass a certification when they're trainers, mm-hmm. and um, they, uh, you know. But we can spend our our money on marketing however we want. You know, h- hyper local community outreach, digital advertising, whatever. You know, sponsorships. Uh, so we really we do have a lot of autonomy, which is great. But we're not, but we're not out there on our own um, because you know corporate gives us these tools, and there are these regional national international conventions mm-hmm. that take place frequently where we i mean it's look it's it's a fun networking event is really what it is there are tons of workshops we all work out together in the morning and then we have workshops during the day and then we mingle in the evenings and it's um i mean it's the most fun networking that i've ever done in my life and i've met so many amazing people who i consider friends um and uh when i travel the country i'll go to other orange Theory studios. One, because I already know the owners, or two, because I met people at convention and I want to see their studio. And it's like we talk about these communities at the studio level. Well, there's this international community as well. Mm -hmm. And um, I was skeptical going in. You know, because like being in corporate America, and like I've gone to lots of networking events, and yeah. you know, everybody's pushing something and selling something and has ulterior motives. And sure, we're obviously you know trying to um, you know be selfish about our own businesses and growing the you know our own Orange Theory operations. But it has been uh, pretty amazing to see that it's like there's this authentic collaboration and willingness to Help each other out. Even though, in some cases, you know, studios are compete against each other when they're geographically located close to each other. If they're under different ownerships, and sure, look, those uh, those challenges exist. Um, you know, like in any big family, but uh, there there really is kind of a unified effort to you know, because the 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 better the overall brand yeah. and international community does you know for the most part the better we're each going to do as owners of our of how, you know whatever studios and areas we own
2: yeah
1: so uh it's it really has been fun and it's surprised it, it surprised me yeah I, I really wasn't expecting it
0: um i mean it just sounds like a what is it a a, a, a rising tide raises all the ships or whatever is yeah. the, the cheesy quote but um, so. Let's say there's a thousand studio owners, or however many there are. The law of large numbers would say that there's going to be some duds.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. And look, there there are there are certainly some underperforming studios out yeah. there, and um, they're uh, you know c- corporate. Is and the you know, the 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 area representatives for the regions mm-hmm. you know like like I am for Brooklyn and Queens um, mm-hmm. I'm an extension of corporate I support I've sold off you know parts of uh, outer Brooklyn outer Queens to franchisees who are going to open in my region but I have an obligation to support to train them support them monitor them yes. um, and so you know look certainly if there are underperforming studios corporate and uh, the area representatives will will work to help the, uh, any struggling studios. Um, and it's even though the, you know, the, 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 brand, uh, is continues to do better and there's increased, uh, marketplace exception, uh, acceptance mm-hmm. and understanding of the boutique fitness model that, um, yes, while we're more expensive than most big box gyms, um, there's there's a value proposition there and and you know people are increasingly understand it and get it and uh and it's justified um so that rising tide helps but um these each even though you can't just like open the orange theory and say okay it's orange theory off we go off it goes um the 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 most successful studios have the most active owner operators Uh and um The and and so an if a studio is underperforming, um, often a more active owner participation and involvement will make a difference. Um, So, but obviously you have to look at each one individually. But on the whole, the brand is is doing incredibly well, and the boutique fitness segment is doing increasingly well. Um, You know, so many brands out there uh, have, you know, in their own respective modality space. Mm-hmm. Have um, you know carved out their their place and are are doing an incredible job?
0: Do you do do you have people do secret shopping at any of your locations? Like how I mean, how do you stay on top of member and customer experience?
1: Yeah, we do. Um, corporate does. They uh, hired an outside consultancy that um, visits studios, mm-hmm. um, and then we do it as well. Um, to uh, you know, just call our our studios occasionally. Wow. You know, whether it's me or my business partners, or even you know, like one of our regional managers, um, if we you know we can get away with it without you know them recognize us. But yeah, no, that's that's important. And you know, with uh, we use Listen Three Hundred and Sixty to to collect a lot of um, uh, member feedback, and um, and that's incredibly valuable. And we uh, the a manager or the head coach, depending on if it's fitness related or more customer service sales related, mm-hmm. um, everybody who gives a review that's you know less than you know a top review gets a a, a phone call and yeah. follow up. Yeah, and and it's important. I mean, that takes time, and you know we pay our team to take that time because we know that if we do it. We're gonna get ROI on that. Yeah. Um, not everybody does that, and um, look, there are some there are some brands that are you know they're the hot the the, the fitness brands du jour right now, and good for them. Um, they may not do be as attentive as we are because they don't need to be now. Um, yeah. Whether they'll be able to continue that the rest of the way, who knows? But uh, I'm I believe in investing. The time to um, be very personalized mm-hmm. and to, you know, to make authentic, to build authentic relationships with people. Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, the,
0: the, the thing that I see a ton is that people try to automate personalization. And consumers are more savvy to that than they were when you know you would send out like a generic email that was like hi first name and it would auto fill it yeah I can't I mean I understand that that has a place and you can't constantly be in front of your members all the time and some of the highest value stuff that you can do outside of being in the facility and making a good impact on the customer like you have to automate some of those things yeah Uh, the, the lack of follow up and follow through from a lot of brands and I'm speaking from experience because I'm doing class pass right now just as like testing the market and I've been to five studios in the last 10 days and I haven't had a single person call me and I've purposely left my phone number on all of the forms I haven't had yeah. one person call me and be like hey how was it you know uh, when can we get you back in? And it's like right. you have brands like you guys, who and others that are kicking ass and growing. And it's like all you have to do is try to replicate some of what they do, but like nothing, no
1: follow up, no follow through, nothing. Yeah.
2: It's
1: crazy. Yeah. And look, I mean, we try to balance. You know, I was going to say earlier when you know you you, you want to balance, um, uh, you know, personalization. Yeah. And like actual human interaction yeah. with people with like you know automation and efficiencies and technologies that will make it as frictionless and seamless of an experience as possible you can do both yeah um, and then you know you touched on follow-up and i then i'm you know made me think of well you kind of got a balanced old school and new school mm-hmm. okay look I don't like answering my, my phone, especially if I don't recognize a number and I usually won't. Yeah. Uh, but there is something to be said even in this day and age in technologically savvy and sophisticated markets like New York and San Francisco or any other market, yeah. you know, that uh, there's a, there is a time and a place still for a phone call
2: mm-hmm. for,
1: you know, an in-person conversation before or after class yeah. or a, um, a you know a, a, not a, a mass blasted text or uh, email and uh, again it's like okay what's what's efficient and you have to be respectful of the other person's time but you got to go for it you got you have to reach out and it's finding the you know the the best channel to do so
2: yeah, yeah. and
1: that follow up is necessary and it also it, one, it's going to give you a higher probability of closing than if you do nothing, right? But in addition to that, it also starts the relationship building process, yeah. you know making that connection.
0: And even if you're not even trying to close someone saying thank you for coming in, after the experience is extremely powerful, like it's, it just it just works and. Yeah. Like, I I forget the restaurant group that does it, um, but it's in New York, and you probably know who I'm talking about. It's like, after you come in, they call you and say thank you for visiting. He has like seven restaurants, I forget his name. But um, the people who book after that call is like 75%. And they don't even ask for people to book again. They just say, you know, um, whenever you want to come in again, we would love to have you back. In like 75% of people book another reservation on the phone right then and there.
1: Yep. And you know though I bet those the 25% who don't book again on the spot or even ever again will yeah. still say will still speak favorably yep. about the brand to other people. And so yeah, I mean when you think about all the ways that it can help you know direct uh direct conversions and then in indirect um you know brand mm-hmm. uh awareness and improvement it it's a no brainer to yeah. to do it and it doesn't take that much time to at least do some type of initial follow up it takes more time you know because some people need all those multiple touches yeah. to finally you know um whether it's to come in in the first time or to make a decision about you know a member or not, but look if they if they still had a positive experience and they don't become a member, you can still um, you know derive benefit from a positive experience through referrals and you know yeah,
0: yeah. everything down the line it, it, yeah. it doesn't make sense not to do it, <laughs> it is my is my main point yeah. um, all right so last question here um, one that I didn't send you before. All right. Um, what do you,
2: coming from outside the fitness industry in, what do you want your legacy on the fitness industry to be, Lars? You know, I, I really want to
1: build something and and not, you know, as a team, you know, build a team mm-hmm. that they – um, you know, make something. You know, create a community. Something that is uh, that we all did together.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and really, I mean, at this point, I I just try to empower the team, and you know, tell them I'm I, I'm I'm here to support you. Whatever you need, we want to position you for success. But otherwise, I'm getting out of your way. I don't want to hold you back, and I, I want to help you to grow. Yeah. And Um, if, you know, I can just be a part of that and to, you know, to see that happen and to have made a difference in people's lives, whether it's people who are on the team and they made a career out of it, or it's members that, or, you know, someone that had that kind of, that Epiphany. I think many of us who got into who, who weren't like you know into fitness from the moment we were born. You know, some type of life event, some type of crossroads we were at,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: to um, you know to have Orange Theory or just you know being in the fitness wellness ecosystem. You know, to to see those um, uh, or, or to to have provided. Uh, a platform foundation for people to have that life change. Um,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: you know, that's, that's really the most important, that's the most satisfying and fulfilling aspect of it. You know, we certainly have financial goals and all that, but, um, really to, uh, you know, cause I had, uh, you know, f- fitness kind of saved my life. Yeah. Um, Years ago, and I uh, and I'm seeing it happen to other people now. That's,
0: and I mean, you, you think like what what can you do that has a bigger impact than I mean, even if it's helping someone lose 20 pounds or whatever. I think about that as a trainer, where you know I've I've helped people put on 30 pounds of muscle or lose 50 pounds of fat, and it's like you're giving them years to live. And if everybody tried to improve other people's lives like that, it would be an incredibly ideal world to live in. Obviously, that's not the world we live in. But when you like have owners and operators and managers who set the vision for the company and the vision is the employees and the members first and then worrying about profit, you're probably going to be very profitable.
1: I, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, And and just to to your point, it's not only adding years, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's enriching those years and opening doors during those years and exposing people to things or putting people in a position to do things that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do because they've, you know, kind of uh, found this you know, fitness path, active, just you know, active, healthy lifestyle path.
0: I think that's a really good point of like, not just adding time, but adding the quality
1: of time.
2: Yes, yes.
0: Um,
1: Lars, how can people find you? So um, I am on social media. My Instagram is Lars Schofield, L-A-R-S-S-C-O-F-I-E-L-D. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably the only Lars Schofield on Facebook, so I'm pretty easily findable.
2: Okay. And
1: um, I'm also LinkedIn, uh, uh, probably one of the only Lars Schofields. And then um, you can also find me at Orange Theory Studios in Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Queens.
2: Yeah.
1: And... Um. um, and co- contact information as well. Do I share oh, no, that? I mean, I think that if people want to get in contact with you, they, yeah, they, they, they can connect with me
0: online. We'll figure it out. People are smart. Yeah. Uh, yep. All right, Lars, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I think that it's really awesome to get people who have come from outside and are now kicking ass inside the industry. Um, it's awesome to get their perspective because there's so much that you can learn from like when, when we're in the industry, for a long time you think that that's just the way that it is that's the way that the the industry is and i'm a big believer in the fact that the industry is so young like it's going to go in a bunch of different ways in the coming years and being able to get people's perspective who can envision where it's going to go not just where it has been is really powerful so i just wanted to thank you for coming on and taking the time and um you know i learned a few really awesome tidbits that I'm probably going to steal, but um, I just wanted to thank you. Go for it. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, and uh, no, I'm glad we got connected, and um, I'm going to be out in the Bay Area in uh, February. I'll give you a heads up. Look forward to meeting you in person.
0: Let's uh, let's talk offline about that. Sounds good. All right, thanks, Lars. All right, take care, Alex. All right, that was episode number 41 with Lars Schofield of Orange Theory ton of great stuff in there about how you know you're doing something well when your customers become your employees the importance of knowing every single person that walks through your doors names and investing in your team to pursue feedback especially when it may not be great feedback super important head on over to agymotion.com for a bunch of free retention resources use them as you please again We're just trying to make the industry better. Uh, Shoot me an email if you have any specific questions, A-G-Y-M-O-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for listening. I really appreciate you taking your time and spending it with me and with us. All right, talk to you soon. Bye.